Hey there, Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And something I wanted to let you know about is a brand new podcast, a podcast that I was lucky enough to be guest number one. It is called Resilient Real Estate Investing. Do me a favor, go check it out. Just in the last couple of weeks, not only has my episode aired, but you heard from a syndicator who spent eight years in prison. You've heard from a movie theater operator who has had their side hustle produce 20 properties. Future episodes will record around the Roofstock's head coach, a college student evaluating properties, and of course, an army recruiter who discovered private money. Again, do me a favor, check out Resilient Real Estate Investing. On with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one minute at a time, and we are in for a treat. Lance Lambert, editor at Fortune, has gone through and collected 10 themes that the Fed is talking about. So, uh, Lance, the floor is yours. What, what have you found? Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, so these are 10 reoccurring points that the Fed has kind of been making since June. Uh, and I think if you take a look at them, it gives you an idea at least how the Fed sees the housing market. Okay. The first, the U.S. housing market overheated during the pandemic. That's from Powell in November, but he's kind of said that multiple times. Uh, yes, number two, uh, housing bubble formed during the pandemic. That's something that Powell said on the last day of November. Three, spiked mortgage rates, this three percentage point move up in rates, will help to bring balance slash reset the housing market. And that's from Powell in June, but he's continued to bring up the balance theme. He wants to see supply and demand back in balance. Number four, we are in a difficult housing correction. They don't define what that means, but Powell said in September, we're in a difficult correction for housing. Number five, no poor underwriting this time around. That's something that Waller, Fed Governor Waller brought up in October, and Powell made that point again in November. Number six, this is not 2008. That's from Fed Governor Lisa Cook uh, on the last day of November. Seven, a material drop in home prices is possible. That's from Waller in October. He does not define what material drop means. Eight, a material drop in home prices would not trigger, and this would not trigger a wave of mortgage defaults or potentially destabilize the financial system. That's from Waller in October 2022. Number nine, there's a long run housing shortage. That's from Powell uh, on the last day of November. And then number 10, the longer run housing shortage will remain even after the housing correction concludes. And that's from Powell in November. Wow. So I, I took, I took notes. Oh, wow. Um, Write that down fast. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there's a couple of things that are in this, right? So let's talk about the first couple, basically overheated in bubble. Um, and, and what I've heard them talk about is the bidding wars and, you know, 50K over and 30 offers on one listing. Um, a lot of that is tied together, right? We had, I, you've heard me say this, right? I think the Fed broke housing. When I say that, most people think about today. They broke housing with 
mortgage rates below 3% and then keeping them there for nine months. So everybody refied into it. That's when the housing market was broken. We're just seeing it play out today, right? That's that's one thing I think. Well, yeah. So on, you know, with the breaking part of it, there's the initial potentially, which is mortgage rates help, you know, buying all of those mortgage-backed securities and keeping rates so low help to fuel the fire of this, right? For appreciation. It went up way faster than it should have. Right. Absolutely. It wasn't it wasn't healthy. No. But then there's absolutely. the back end, and this is something you point up all the time. All those refinances, everybody getting two, three percent mortgage rates. Who's moving up now? Exactly. Right. The move up market is dead. It's yeah. dead for years. Like yeah, I think we talked about it in our first interview. You bought a house, your wife is expecting or or had another child, like I should have had an extra bedroom, but you yeah. can't move. Yep. Right. Two, two, two kids, we'd like a third and we're in a three-bedroom house uh, with yeah, a 2.6% mortgage rate. So You're not, you're not going That's anywhere, that. right? Yeah. You're not going in. Now, if she got pregnant and she had twins, that might force a decision, right? Because life events will happen. People will eventually move. People average eight years in a home. I'm not selling this. No, you're not. You're going to rent it out. Yeah. Exactly. So, again... Which I gets believe to an interesting point, which is, are some people going to rent out and then, or rent out, but then also rent too? Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. if you have to move from where you are to a job in Texas, you're going to rent the place you're in, you'll rent in Texas while you figure out or the market rebound. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it makes financial sense. Okay. So let me actually read the quote on okay. the house bubble from Pal. Perfect. So this is from the last day of November. So you really had a housing bubble. You had housing prices going up at a very unsustainable levels and overheating and that kind of thing. Actually, let me back it up. I need to go through the whole quote. So I missed a part okay. because this is the first time the Fed has ever even acknowledged that they played a role with mm -hmm. prices, right? Okay. Coming out of the pandemic, rates were very low right there. People wanted to buy houses. They wanted to get out of cities and buy houses in the suburbs because of COVID. So you really had a housing bubble. You had prices going up at very unsustainable levels and overheating and that kind of thing. So now the housing market will go through the other side of that and hopefully come out in a better place between supply and demand. And that's POW the last day of November. Yeah. So again, I don't expect Powell to know the housing market as well as we do. Right? We look at it all the time. He talked about purchases there. But again, when I go back to the Fed broke housing, it's the refis, right? Think about all the people that were in homes. Yeah. They were at six. They refied to sub three. They're not going anywhere either. So the purchase demand is only part of this. And then those people that refied. So that's that's another thing. The other thing that I think, again, the Fed broke housing at the beginning of the pandemic is they took the risk-adjusted return to essentially zero. So you had Zillow. You had Redfin. You had open door, execute business models that made no sense in a rising rate environment, right? If you can't make money flipping homes when rates are 2%, you shouldn't be doing it. And they've lost, you know, billions of and, dollars. And home prices it. are going up 20% year yeah. over year. If you can't make money during that environment, you're doing something wrong. But all of that was demand. We have seen, I believe in the last report, investor percentage of transactions fell mm, yes. i think to 24 percent, where they're usually 31 or something like that but that's because oh that's because the i buyers are backing out that's because blackstone or 
America for rent or whatever. They, they're like backing away. Cause yeah. again, so, I mean, we had a lot of distortion. The point too much, but John Burns real estate consulting just put out some data this week that showed a big drop off in really big buyers Yep. Over a hundred homes that they mm -hmm. own. So the institutional yep. people, big ones. I've seen and a that. really big drop off on the very bottom. The ones that are still there and they've only fallen like, and I think their number said like 3%, maybe it's more, is the people who own between 10 to 99 homes. Why do you think they haven't dropped off as much? Well, they probably have a very defined buy box. They probably have access to capital. They're probably doing equity here or there. Uh, and they're probably in one market. That's mm. that when I look at investors who have 10 to 99, they're usually in one market. When you get really big, you're in multiple markets, you know, yeah. you, you have all these teams. Um, that's that's probably what's going on, it'd be mm. my guess. Interesting. Market uh, concentration. And I don't know that data well, but I thought that was interesting, at least that they had not dropped off as much as the very small or the very big. Yeah. So again, why would the very small drop off? It's because of the media. The media is scaring people again, right? They're saying you know, uh, the world is falling. Uh, it's funny. I don't know if you saw this on my channel, but I saw my favorite real estate um, metric. It said the following. Only 13% of homeowners think it is a good time to buy. I am in broken. I immediately translate that to 87% of home buyers say it is a bad time to buy. So now I am competing against 13%. Yeah, I got two transactions, Lance, in the last six weeks out of the MLS. I've looked at my market for three years, every single day, no deals in the MLS. Everybody was paying more than, I got two deals in six weeks mm. out of the MLS. I paid 30% less than list price out of the MLS. I'm ecstatic that there's 87% yeah. of home buyers think it's a bad time to buy. It's great. I love it. Yeah. So my view with the good time to buy, bad time to buy, is I've said that I never make a view on that because for somebody, it's always a good time to buy, no matter what. You could even go to the bottom of the crash of last time. There's somebody it was a good time to buy mm -hmm. and there's somebody it's a bad time, potentially. It's all circumstances and there you, you know, everybody's got to make that bet themselves. So I, I, I don't write headlines, bad time to buy, good time to buy. Um, I, I try to avoid that that side of it i think i think because i think, I think you're right terrible. yeah especially with housing it's a very personal life i mean 68 percent of home of residential stuff is owned by a home owner it's a very different calculation being a homeowner yeah. versus an investor and, and then it's like you know even okay let's say prices here correct nationally 10 15 sure. right sure if you get a two a three percent mortgage you're you're still going to have like a 15% less payment than somebody who gets a 5% mortgage and the price was 10% lower right so it's like i you it's, know it's always the payment there's a lot going on so you you know who who knows if yeah. people who bought at the spring will end up regretting some of them i'm sure will especially if they, they sell quickly in certain markets yeah um Others, you know, they're, they're going to be happy they didn't. You're also building equity faster with a lower mortgage rate, a higher percentage of premium. So a lot of stuff's going on and I try to avoid that side of it. Yeah. So let's talk about number five and number six. No poor underwriting and not 2008 uh, were my notes. And I, I think that's, I think a lot of people 
look at again you have shared in video number two zillow saying we're down 2.2 percent it's the largest drop second largest drop post world war ii i think the largest one a case shiller was four percent or 4.7 something like that so again it's a negative number and um it's a very different market having bought before during and after the last crisis it's very different by my memory 50 percent of loans pre 08 were adjustable rate mortgage heading into 2022. Only 2% were underwriting is very different. Real skin in the game, um, you know, credit quality, all of that. So again, we are not going to have, I don't see banks selling 3 million homes because of foreclosures in the next year. I just don't see it. Yeah. So the mechanism right now, well, the mechanism last time for prices falling and there's a lot there, but you know, there's the stress from the sellers, right? There's a lot of inventory that's out there too. That's a mechanism for prices going down. Uh, the affordability squeeze, affordability got pressurized, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of other factors, but a lot of supply, sellers distress, affordability putting uh, demand back. This time around, we have seen prices move down in some markets and nationally we're 2.2 for the case shiller. But the mechanism for prices dropping isn't distress on the seller side. It's not a ton of inventory. We're still 39%, 38% below pre-pandemic levels. Yeah. Pre pandemic Crazy. was low. And going lower. <laughs> uh, the mechanism for prices falling this time in the markets that it happens is affordability has gotten so pressurized, right? We had a 40% run up in prices and then 3% uh, percentage point move up in rates. And it's not just that people are scared. There's that too, or priced out. It's so many people have just altogether lost mortgage eligibility for the homes. Yeah. Demand, they, demand destruction started first. I mean, they're essentially it, because it moved up so quickly. This is almost like a tightening of lending standards. Is a oh, I, it, it absolutely is. It, yeah, absolutely. So demands pulled back so fast and, but it's like, okay, as that eases or, you know, prices come down some potentially, and mortgage rates move down, incomes are continuing to rise actually at a fairly yeah. high rate, we're going to depressurize, right? And Powell's made that clear with the reset that we're going to come back to a more balanced market. So I, I think that's where that point really holds. That was a six-year correction, right? We it don't was. know this one's going to last. It's three months right now, uh, but you, you wouldn't expect anything in that ballpark, not even close in terms no. of length uh down the, the, the magic yeah, the magic of just disappear you know no, exactly went on yeah. the magic of all of this is there's three variables that make housing go and you've actually hit them all but i just want to hit it again because most people only talk about two there's price cost of capital or interest rate and the third one wages mm -hmm. i personally believe we're in a wage inflation in spiral I think wages are going to continue to go up for the next three to five years above historic norms. And that in a lower transaction environment will get us back to a, a more affordable level. It's going to take time, right? The cure to this in my world is time. It doesn't, it's not an overnight thing. It's quarters, years to kind of bring this back. And then the last thing I want to make sure we talk about is the long run shortages. Point number nine and 10. Um, we haven't been building enough homes. We're going to be building less homes for the next 12 to 18 months. It's just going to happen because builders won't just are cutting back. Um, so again, real estate, long-term decades in the making. 
still a good thing to own. Yeah. So I'm going to read the quote from Powell. Uh, none of this, and I'm assuming he means the reset or correction or spiked mortgage rates, affects the longer run issue, which is that we got, we have a built up country and it's hard to get zoning and hard to get housing built in sufficient quantities to meet the public's demand. There is a long run housing shortage. That's yeah. from Pat on the last day of November. So folks, I, uh, again, owning assets, 30-year fixed rate debt, cash flow is day one. You can hold through any, you know, hey, even if John Burns is right and we go down 20%, cash flows, 30-year fixed rate debt, I have, you know, residential, it doesn't matter. My market, again, fell 75% in the last crash. Cash flow, 30-year fixed rate debt, just waited. And again, we're going to be in a shortage for a long time. So Lance, where can people follow you? Because you put out amazing stuff every day. I appreciate that. They can find me at News Lambert or just Google Lance Lambert Fortune and they can read my pieces. Awesome. Thank you very much.